Look at verse number one of Ephesians chapter number five. The Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger nor unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or, or end of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. Be, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the, wor- in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice he didn't say you were in darkness, but you were darkness. Can I say he more than just turned the light on in my life. He took that which was dark and nasty and washed it clean as snow this morning. And now if you're saved by the grace of God, you are a child of light. For the fruit of the Spirit, verse number nine, is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart for or to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God in the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray and then you can be seated this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it sure has been good to be in your house this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our choir. Thank you, Lord, for our special singers this morning. Thank you, Lord, that the Lord... I don't have to be afraid to bring my sin to you, my faults and my failures. Lord, there's anybody here that has grace and mercy. Lord, it is you and God. You desire for us to bring in our cares and our problems and our issues, our hang-ups and our hold-ups to you and bring them and cast them at your feet knowing, God, that you're the only one that can cure and fix those issues. I pray, Lord, this morning we're thankful, Lord, for what you've done in our life. Lord, we can look back to the day that we say that you saved us and you changed us. And Lord, we were uh, changed by the grace of God. I pray, Lord, this morning, God, we'd take a trip back memory lane and say, thanks be to God. There's places I don't have to go anymore. There's things I don't have to say anymore. There's things I don't have to do anymore because there was a day in my life that Jesus Christ absolutely, totally, 100% changed me. We thank you for that this morning, Lord. We pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, would you work in their heart, God? Lord, they're in the best place they could possibly be this morning under the preaching of your word in a room full of people, God, that have 
being where they're standing at this morning and know what it's like on the other side, but also know what it's like on this side of Calvary. I pray, Lord, you'd work in their heart this morning and save them by your grace. Be with Miss Holly as she does children's church. Be with those that are in the nursery this morning. Thank you, God, for their service. Bless it now, Lord, and use it for your glory. God, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary? Lord, hit me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, I just want to be used of you one more time. Lord, I don't deserve to be here, but I sure am glad to be here this morning. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing and reading the Word of God with me. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad to have you here this morning. But last Sunday, we started a mini-series, uh, and, and if you know me by now, I love to start series, and, and I try my best to finish them, that we started the series of Exodus when I first became pastor, and we left the children of Israel out in the wilderness, and I don't have any intentions on getting them back anytime soon, amen? And so they're still out there. We'll get them back someday, uh, back into the promised land. But Ephesians chapter number five, last week we were in Ephesians chapter number two and we spent some time on just saying thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the day and the place and the time where Jesus absolutely changed our life. We, we gave some reasons why we should be thankful for our salvation. One, because I needed to be saved. Number two, because I got saved. And number three, I'm still saved this morning. Now this morning, here's what I want to preach on just for a few minutes I want to preach on I'm thankful for my sanctification. I'm thankful for my sanctification. Here's the thing this morning. We had to start at salvation because you can't be sanctified until you're saved. The process of sanctification does not start until a person has been saved by the grace of God. Now, I've got to be clear with you this morning. When you got saved by the grace of God, in the eyes of God, you and I are perfect spiritually speaking. We are absolutely 100% totally perfect. But the reality is, spiritually speaking, we are perfect, but according to our flesh and the life that we now live, how many of us are, are gonna be real honest this morning and say, even though I'm saved, preacher, I know I ain't perfect. How many sometimes your imperfections don't even wait for you to get out of bed in the morning? In the morning, they are there waiting on you. But thankfully this morning, we know that in the eyes of God, we are completely and totally saved. The Bible said we're already seated in heavenly places. But we also know that as we live the life that we now live, God, through his work and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the power of his word this morning, he is desiring to conform you and I into his image. He is trying and desiring to make you and I just like him. Can I give you some good news this morning? God does not desire you to be just like the preacher. He doesn't desire you to be just like mom and daddy. He doesn't desire you to be just like grandma and grandpa and your Sunday school teacher or the deacon of the church. He wants you to look a little bit higher than all of them and he wants you to be like him. In that process of God molding and making you and I into his image, into his likeness, into his attitude, into his affections, into his, 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 his desire is called sanctification. So please don't let that big word scare you this morning. Matter of fact, I wrote it down in my notes and I'm not even 100% sure I spelled it right this morning. But thankfully, because I went to Bible college, I do understand what it means, amen? And here's the thing, you don't have to go to Bible college to understand that. 
But we understand this morning that God is working in us and through us and for us on a daily a daily schedule, on a moment schedule in our personal lives this morning, and that process is called sanctification. And can I say this morning, there's parts and times in my life where God was desiring to work in me and through me and for me. I just wasn't willing. I just wasn't ready, per se, or I thought I wasn't, but the reality is there's times where God desired and I said no. And it's interesting, all those times I said no and said yes to myself and said yes to this world and said yes to my flesh, it never ended well. It never ended good. It wasn't a blessing, but it always ended up in, in discouragement. It always ended up in destruction. It always ended up with things completely and totally messed up. But how many of us can raise our hands this morning and say, I sure am glad he don't throw the clay away, amen. I sure am glad even though I haven't always got it right, he's still willing to work on me. And he's still willing to work on you this morning. I want, by way of introduction, we see the promise of sanctification in Philippians 1, 6. It said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. The reality is this morning, sanctification is not you and I doing a work for God, but rather it is you and I allowing God to work in us and for us and through us. And, and, and it's a work that he had begun on the day that he saved us. Yes, he saved us. We're already seated in heavenly places, but at the same time, he is working in our lives to conform us into his image this morning. And he made a promise. He said, if I start that work, if you let me, I'll finish it. If you avail yourself and you uh, uh, give yourself and you make yourselves willing, he said, I will do everything I desire to do in your life. Could you imagine how much different our Christian lives would be if we'd just stop playing games, we'd stop pretending to be holy, we'd stop acting like we got it all together, we'd step back and say, God, you begun this work in me and I've been trying to do it myself. Lord, I'm taking my hands off it. Lord, work in my life. Conform me to your image. We see the promise of our sanctification, but then we see the purpose of our sanctification. Yes, it is to become like him, but Philippians 2.12 also says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And a lot of times we hear that verse and no doubt you can make the application there, but in the context, the context isn't there to make sure you are saved or, or, or sanctification is not you spending your whole life wondering, am I saved or not? I think this morning the Bible has too many verses about assurance for you and I to wander around for the majority of our Christian life wondering, am I saved? No, the Bible said he, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These things have I written unto you in the, the, the epistles of John that you might know that you've passed from death unto life. He's, he's given us a word full of things for assurance. But Philippians 2.12 is talking about our sanctification of realizing and, and trying our best to come to the understanding of all that God put in us and is doing in us and for us at the day that he saved us by grace. It isn't to wonder whether or not you're saved. It's to find out and understand all that God did for you, is doing for you, and will do for you based upon the fact that he saved you. See, thankful. So last week we talked about being thankful for our salvation. And if you're truly thankful for salvation, you receive it. 
You are thankful that Jesus died for you. You are thankful that he rose again for you. You are thankful that he shed his blood for you. You are thankful that he paid your sin debt for you. You're thankful that he did all of that for you. And when you're thankful for salvation, you receive it. I don't know about you, the day that I got saved, I sure was thankful that Jesus did all those things for me. But this morning, you say, oh, preacher, I'm thankful for my sanctification. And I am too this morning, but if we're truly thankful, we participate in it. We allow God to have his will and way in our life. I want to give you quickly this morning three reasons why every Christian should participate in sanctification, especially if you claim to be thankful for it. I, we are talking about some of y'all already said, some of y'all already, already let your lips tell, tell on you this morning. You said, hey man, preacher, I'm glad he doesn't throw the clay away. If we're thankful this morning, we ought to be allowing him to work in our life. I'm gonna give you three reasons why this one. Reason number one, through sanctification, the Lord teaches you your motivation. He teaches you your motivation, verses one and two. And we'll see that this morning, but one of the greatest questions you'll ever answer in your Christian life is, why do you do what you do? Not how, that's important how you do things and, and where you do things. Can I say this morning, I know there's people out there that say, well, preacher, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I understand that. You gotta be saved by grace to go to heaven this morning. But can I say there's nowhere else I'd rather be on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, than around, and then in the house of God around God's people who are still excited the fact that we're saved by the grace of God who joined up hand in hand and said, you know what? He's still working on me. He's still working on you. Why why don't we just get together and work on us together? You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. And it's not necessarily where and how and when. There's not a verse in your Bible that says thou shalt meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. But there is a verse that says forsake not the assembling yourselves together. Hebrews 10, 25. So much more as you see the day approaching. And how many of us, if you've been watching the news, that day is getting closer and closer. We see here this morning, it's not necessarily how, when, and where, but why. What is your motivation for what you do? What is your motivation for desiring in reading your Bible, for praying, for attending church, for having convictions, for having standards? What is your motivation? Why are you allowing God to sanctify you? to work in your life, to conform you and to mold you. In these first two verses, we see some truths about this motivation. This ought to be every Christian's motivation. We see a powerful position. Look at verse number one. It says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. It's a powerful position. See, the word follower, that's, that's pretty much self-explanatory. If you're a follower, you are following somebody. You are following something. You're following someone. And so we understand as a child of God, as a born-again Christian, we are to be followers of God, not to follow the world, not to follow society, not to follow men, but to follow God, we, we understand that, but he, he, doesn't, he takes it a step further when he says not just a follower, but as a follower who is like or as a dear child or dear children. 
That word, we are, we are to follow him as dear children. That word dear means beloved. It means esteemed. And I about got super excited when I read this. But it was too early in the morning. I didn't want to scare my family half to death. That word dear means favorite. <laughs> now, I ain't going to try to start no family feuds in here. And I... <laughs> Let me ask, don't raise your hand. Don't stand up and feel, feel led to testify. I mean, mom and daddy's got some favorite kids. <laughs> oh, preacher, I love them all, and you ought to. But can I say with my kids, there's different qualities and characteristics about them that I more identify with than the others. We have more things in common. When I was growing up, and the same was true when I was a child, there was things that my dad did that I identified with and I enjoyed doing with him more than my siblings enjoyed doing, and the same was true with my mother. But we realized, God, God when, we, when we ask, why am I allowing God, why am I following God, why am I allowing him to work in my life and can deform me, it's because, it's because this morning, it's not just because I'm a follower, but I'm following as one of his children and he, he treats me like I'm his favorite. He treats me like I'm his only child. Now, I don't know about you, I, didn't, I, I was not an only child growing up. I have, I have an older brother, a younger sister. I've got two half-siblings. And I grew up with my older brother, my younger sister. She came when I was eight years old. I went from being the favorite to the middle child. I got completely forgotten about Mom left me in Walmart. True story. <laughs> Bought my brother a video game for Christmas. Didn't buy me anything. Because she thought the game my brother wanted had three discs in it. She thought, well, that's three different games in it. It was all the same game. So I just had to watch my brother play it. It was real, real exciting. But I did have a friend. His name was Eric Sanchez. And he was an only child. He didn't have to share the spotlight with nobody. He didn't have to share the room with nobody. He didn't have to share clothes with anybody. He didn't have to share the television, the video games. He didn't have to share none of that. With no he was the only child, and I was his best friend. He, we'd go to school, and he'd say, Tate, you want to come spend the night at my house? I sure do. <laughs> Tate, you want to come over to my house after school? I sure do. Me have video games sitting. He had a pool table. He had one of them things where you shoot the basketball into the net like at the arcade. He had a backyard that was fenced in. He had a dog. I mean, he had it all. And he had to share with nobody. And I, I mean, I was over there all the time because his parents, you knew who their favorite was because he was the only one. But can I say this morning, as you and I follow after God, you've got to realize his desire and it's the way he loves and the way, that's why we can't comprehend his love because we know that he loves each and every one of us unconditionally. But I don't know about you, it just seems like he just loves me like I'm his favorite child. The one, the children is one who has a father. We're to follow him with the mindset he treats me like his favorite child. Why would I not follow him? We see a powerful position. We see a powerful attitude. Look at verse number two. And walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling 
Savior. The goal of sanctification is not promotion or approval. It is to be like Christ. In essence, how when he lived on planet earth and he physically displayed to mankind how to walk in love, now he dwells inside of you with the goal and the desire to teach you and I, though we are not perfect and though we have our issues and we have our flaws, how we too can be like him and walk in Love. The goal of sanctification is to be like Christ. And how did he express this love? Well, he obeyed and he pleased the Father. He was obedient unto death. God the Father spoke down from heaven there at the Jordan River and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now I say to you this morning, we ought to strive to this issue of sanctification to allow God to shape us and to make us and to mold us into his image because we know that is what pleases him. And we know that we are told that it is much better to obey than to sacrifice. We should be willing to give all of ourselves so that we could please the Father and obey him. It's the best way to show that you love him. Can I say it's better than a great check in the offering plate? It's better than a great position within the church. It is better than being recognized and, and, and being uh, held to a high esteem by your peers. The greatest thing you and I can do is say, Lord, you treat me so good. and God, Lord, you are beyond my wildest dreams. Therefore, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to allow you to do whatsoever you think is best in my life to make me and to shape me into your image. We should be willing to give God our, all of ourselves so that we could please the Father. Romans chapter 12 tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. All of ourselves to him it is the best way to show that you love him. See, I think sometimes we treat our sanctification like people treat fad diets. You know why most diets fail? It's because the goal isn't big enough. Most people pr pursue a fat diet or they begin a diet because you ask, well, why are you doing that? I just want to lose a couple pounds. I, I want to slim up just a little bit. And so they reach that goal and I've lost those pounds where well, I can just go back to however I was before and the same habits I had before. Do you realize the most successful, they're not really diets, they are lifestyle changes? where you say, you know what, I know what I was doing before was not working, it was not pleasing, it was not right, therefore I'm not just going to do this for a little bit, I'm going to give myself completely and totally to this for the rest of my life. And a lot of times that's how we treat our sanctification. Lord, work in me a little bit. God, change a few things about me, but don't go too far. Can I say the goal of sanctification is not for God to fix a little bit about you. It is to make you completely and totally conformed to his image. Why? Well, don't you love him? Don't you love him this morning? Why should, why should a Christian participate in sanctification? Because it teaches you your motivation. As Christ loved the Father and was obedient to him, we too claim to love the Father. We too should be obedient to him. Let me ask you, what is your motivation to become more like Christ? We see it teaches you your motivation. Number two, the reason number two, the Lord teaches you how to avoid messes. How to avoid messes. Now, I don't know how you are. You ever been to the grocery store and they come across that thing? Clean up aisle seven. You know, 
I don't know what's on aisle seven, but I want to see what fell. <laughs> I, want to, I want to go see the mess. <laughs> or the, you go out there, they got the cones out. They got somebody over there mopping it, trying to clean it up. And they're, you know, they got the, the police tape, do not, do not cross, do not go in here. Why? They're trying to get you to avoid the mess. Because in our mind, I think I can handle it. I can walk through that until you can't. And now you're laid up on the ground. Why? Because you missed every opportunity to avoid the mess. Can I tell you a secret? Y'all ready for old preachers telling secrets this morning? I haven't been perfect since I've been saved. Oh, preacher, that's not much of a, a secret. That, that, that's, that's, I mean, we're all that. But I have to be real honest with you, it wasn't God's fault either. It was my own choices. My imperfections are not caused by God. They're caused by my own choices. But can I give you another good, uh, good, good example, another secret? You know why most Christians, or why, why Christians still sin? Because we don't follow the leadership of the Lord. We don't follow his leadership. It's that simple. It's not because our salvation isn't good enough, but because we neglect our good enough Savior and our good enough salvation. We see in verses 3 through 8 this morning when this process of sanctification, yes, we understand our motivations because he loves us and we love him. That's our motivation. But as we progress in sanctification, we'll realize that part of our sanctification is God teaching you and I how to avoid messes. It's amazing to me how verses 4, 3, 4, and 6, the apostle Paul, in his expression of the Holy Ghost, he doesn't just generically call out sin. He doesn't say, all right, y'all avoid sin. He lays some things out for us. He's real specific with us. Notice the first one he starts off with, verse number three. Talk about a heavy hitter. He said, avoid fornication. Avoid fornication. Preacher, we're in the church. Can I say we've lost a generation to this? I read a statistic that 50% of young people are sexually active before they're 18. It used to be one in three. Now it's one in two. We've lost a generation to this issue of fornication. Immoral actions before weddings and before marriage. You say, well, preacher, who's fault is and who should we blame and, and we, we like to blame it on the government, we like to blame it on the preachers not preaching hard enough, can I say the reality of it boils down to parents quit being parents and parents quit being parents and they're just trying to be friends with their kids can I say this morning you say well preacher that's right, I'm a parent I'm not supposed to be their friend, I would argue that let me ask you is God your father? Well yes, is he also your friend? yes we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So God is both our father and our friend. Can I say men and ladies uh, that, that have children, you are to be both their parent and their friend. See, a child with only a parent and no friend will run as fast as they can away from the law that you've put them under. Didn't the Bible say the law was our taskmaster? And we know we couldn't complete it and we knew we couldn't satisfy it, so we just went and did our own thing. But if a a parent's only a friend and never a parent who brings in accountability and discipline. If all you ever is their friend, they will go into the world not realizing the dangers they're walking into. It takes both this morning. But we are told here to flee fornication. We are told here to, 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 stay, to avoid it, to stay away from it. Verse 3 and 4, we're told to avoid uncleanliness and filthiness. 
Verse number three said, but fornication, all uncleanness. Verse number four, neither filthiness. That means those things that are impure, those things that are obscene. Uh, that, that, you know, preacher, we just have differing opinions on those things. Um, you just see things differently than me. Can I say there's things this morning that you and I can differ on, and it's 100% okay, but you and I cannot differ on what God's word clearly outlines. And if you and I are going to be sanctified, we can't get sanctified by our own opinions. We are sanctified through the work of God's word in our life. It's not about the Bible. <laughs> we, don't, we don't get to formulate our opinions on what the Bible clearly says. Look at verse number four. We're told to avoid vain words, foolish talking, jesting. That word jesting means a bad sense of humor. Mm. But preacher, it's funny. Is it though? Would you say that if the Lord was standing right in front of you? Would that joke still be funny? If God was standing right next to you as you told it. <laughs> Preacher, that seems too much. Can I say this morning, the act of sanctification is too much for us to do by ourselves. It is God working in our lives. And God's power is needed for that to do that. But God also knows how our mind works. Because he knows if you and I listen to the dirty joke, our mind will become consumed with it. And what we are now saying, now we're thinking about it. If we think about it too long, we'll be acting upon it. And God said, avoid that, stay away from it. Wrote this down, you'll laugh at it until you can't control it anymore. God said, avoid it. Not only, he did, not only did he tell us what to avoid, but he told us why to avoid it. Look at verse number five. For this you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Why did God tell us to avoid these things? Because he knows there's no inheritance to it. There's no blessing from it. There's no good thing that comes out of it. There aren't any rewards or crowns giving out to carnal Christianity. He, he knows that there's nothing to gain, but he also knows that's who we are. That's not who we are anymore. Look at verse number eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We are no longer children of darkness, so stop trying to act like one. That's the point of sanctification. Hesper language. God's trying to conform you and teach you how to walk as a child of light. We see that this morning. Now imagine you go to the doctor and you've got some serious tests they have to run on you. And they get done running all those tests. They're, you're waiting in the, the room. You've been waiting there for about three hours now. And that doctor walks in and you say, all right, doctor, before you say a word, only tell me the good news. Well, you're at a good weight and you're at a good height. You got a good BMI. Uh, you got pretty eyes. Thank you, doctor. That's all I needed to hear. They'd say, well, why'd you come in for the test then? Why, why did you sit? Why did you let us run all this stuff on you if all you wanted was the good news and not the bad news? Can I say sometimes God points out the bad news in our life so he, he can teach us how to avoid it, how to stay away from it, how not to go near it? Let me ask you, does your sanctification process include God dealing with your sin? How do you respond when he does? Sanctification, the Lord teaches you and I how to avoid messes. Can I say it's never been comfortable? It's never been a pleasant experience in the moment. It's never been something that I, I would stand up and say, I absolutely, 100% all the time, always enjoy. 
but I'm thankful when the Holy Spirit deals with my heart because in the end, he's teaching me how to avoid it and to stay far away from it. Does your sanctification process include God dealing with your sin? Number three, this one reason, number three, why you and I should participate in sanctification or to allow God to sanctify us, to work in us, to mold us, to conform us to his image. And reason number three, the Lord teaches you how to maintain. Not that you maintain your salvation, not that you maintain your spirituality in that sense, not that you can get to a place where you say, all right, God, I've got it. Thank you very much. You can take the day off because we'll never arrive there. This side of heaven, as long as you and I have got a flesh, it is going to be a battle. But not too long ago, we were watching uh, an educational program on YouTube. <laughs> we were watching YouTube. And uh, we were flipping through trying to find something to watch. Uh, there wasn't no new disc golf on. Uh, Dude Perfect hadn't released anything new, and we were just flipping through. And we, we, we came across the thumbnail, or I came across the thumbnail, and I had a picture of an overgrown yard. In the description underneath it said, said, uh, owner comes to tears after I mow their grass. And I got to thinking to myself, I said, listen, I have seen a lot of people operate a lawnmower. I've seen a lot of people operate hedge trimmers, weed whackers, edgers, and never once has it moved me to tears. <laughs> never once have I stopped back and said, that is the most beautiful, beautiful thing I've ever seen. I said, this man must be a smooth operator if this person came to tears after they got done cutting the grass, and I quickly watched the video and realized it wasn't necessarily that he was a smooth operator. He was the greatest to ever cut grass. But the video starts, and the man walks up and knocks on the lady's door. The grass is up to his knees. She's got sidewalks that haven't been seen the sunlight in 20 years. Hedges grown all over the place. He said, ma'am, my, my name's so-and-so, and, -so and uh, I operate a, a lawn care business, but every month I, I cut one yard for free. Would you mind if I cut your grass for free? And she, was, she began to weep, and she began to cry and tell, yeah, that'd be wonderful, that'd be great. She told the story how you know, she didn't have the money to pay somebody. She didn't have the physical ability to do it herself, and just all let go. And so for the next 35 minutes, we watched in hyperlapse as this man cut the grass edged it, dug out the, the sidewalk, and you could see semen again, hit, did all of that. And, we, and by the time he was done, I said, man, that is amazing. It is completely and totally a great transformation. As I was studying, I couldn't help but think that's sometimes how we are in our Christian life. We step out and we say, all right, I got this. I can handle this. And we find out real quick we can't handle it. And instead of going and asking for help from the Lord, we keep trying, we keep trying. We realize we can't do it. Now all of a sudden, we've got a big mess. And how many are glad we can go to God and say, God, I made a mess of this. I messed it up. Lord, I understand there's consequences, God, but could you please come help me clean this up? How many are glad that he's willing to do that, amen? I mean, he's willing to restore what the, what the canker worm has eaten but notice, that's how we often live. and We're in a big mess, and Christ comes to clean it up, and I'm glad that he does, but can I say that was totally preventable? How, preacher? Through sanctification. We learn the steps of living a successful Christian life. Learning how to, to maintain and to walk to the, and, and to live in such a way that we don't have to walk away. We don't have to let it go. We don't have to lose it all that we can just follow him. Well, preacher, how 
can I do that? How is that possible? Verse number 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse number 18 of Ephesians chapter number 4. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter number 5. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. When I say that, I'm not talking about anything crazy, but allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you to direct you. And here's the thing, when you step back and you on purpose every day, say, all right, Lord, my life is not mine, it is yours. My body is not mine, it is yours. Everything I have is yours. Guide me and direct me. The Bible said the Holy Spirit only leads in one direction that is always towards truth. And when you allow him to lead you, you'll find out he's gonna lead you in the right direction. Not just every now and again, but every day. So we're told to be filled with the Spirit. We're told to walk wisely in verses 15 and 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Oh, preacher, I need wisdom. We'll be here on Wednesday nights. We've been going through it. We're going through the book of Proverbs, and that book is slap full of wisdom. Don't cry. Lord, I need it, but I'm going to neglect the opportunity to get it. And they get upset when I don't have it. He said, be, be walk wise. That word circumspectly means carefully. In essence, every step is measured and calculated. Now, I'm not saying that as you live the Christian life that every step you take. If you're going to do that, tell me when you're going to the grocery store. I don't want to get stuck behind you. <laughs> we was at Hamrick's this week. <laughs> we was... Birthday shopping, Christmas shopping, we were shopping. <laughs> Not exactly sure for what. I love Hamrick. 75% of it is geared towards women. That center aisle and a little bit on the right is for the men. <laughs> that ass seen on TV, I love that aisle. But we were at Hamrick's and we were, we were walking around and we were headed towards the line and because of the, the holiday season and all that, they've got this, this special wall they've built out of items that now you have to, it funnels you in. You got to go all the way around that up, up towards the front. And we were just walking. We were having a wonderful time. And there was a lady coming in next to my, my wife, and she was pushing a cart. And Miss Becky was about even with her. And we were just walking, cutting up, having a, having a fun time. And that lady looked at my wife. I mean, looked, looked back at her, gripped her, her cart, and took off. Right. She, she looked at Miss Becky. It's the equivalent of you pulling up to a red light and asking the person, hey, you want a drag race? <laughs> that lady took off me. She was fast as she could to get in front of us. And we got stuck in the same spot, waiting. <laughs> she got to go first. We went after her. We got all of our stuff checked out, back in the basket, headed out the back door, and I turned behind me, and she was behind us. What'd you do, preacher? Well, I turned around real spiritual. I said, ma'am, can I pray for you today? That's not what I did. That's probably what I should have done. <laughs> what did you do? I just strolled. <laughs> On out of Hamrick. She hit me six times with the car. No, she didn't hit me with the cart. <laughs> but I'm not talking about taking every step of your life physically, slowly and carefully, but make every choice carefully. Make every decision carefully. We're to walk wisely. Why? The days are evil. The Bible tells right there in verse, uh, somewhere in there, verse number 16, redeeming the time for the, because the days are evil. We live in an evil day. We live in an evil world. If we're not careful in our decision making, we're going to make the wrong one. If we're not allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit, walking wisely and circumspectly and carefully, 
we're going to step in the wrong direction. But God said, you don't have to. You can maintain, you can grow if you'll just walk wisely. Here's another way to maintain, worship regularly. Look at verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God in the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing, real worship can only be done with a clean heart. Real worship can only be done with a clean heart. So if you can't worship genuinely, it reveals an issue with your heart. If your heart isn't clean, God ain't, God ain't, gonna, God ain't pretending. You can fake it to everybody else. You can't fake God. It's not going to be, I'm going to sing it louder and I'm going to shout it louder. And I'm, it ain't going to work. I heard one preacher say, he said, I don't care how loud your horn is. It never tells anybody how much gas is in the car. If your heart's not right this morning and, and it's affecting your worship, and if you can't worship genuinely and regularly, you need to step back and say, there's something wrong here, and I need to get it resolved. A heart that worships is a heart that wants to be clean and stay clean. The Lord teaches us how to maintain in our sanctification. Walk wisely. Worship regularly. Be filled with the Spirit. But do you realize this morning, you say, oh, preacher, I want God to sanctify me. I want him to grow me. I want him to mold me. I want him to make me and, and to form me into his image and to have his mind and to have the same attitude and the same desire and the same heart. Preacher, you don't understand how bad I want that. Can I say there's one that wants it worse than you do? That wants it more than you do is probably a better way to say, look at verse number 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Oh, preacher, I want God to sanctify me. You know God wants to sanctify you more than you want to be sanctified. He's desiring. He's willing to. He made the way for you to do. All you and I have to do is to make ourselves available. Remember learning early in Bible college that God does not look for the able. He just looks for the available. And can I say this morning, God desires to sanctify you, to mold you and to make you. The question you're going to have to ask is, am I making myself available? Am I making myself willing? Am I allowing God to do what he wants to do in my life? Well, last week I was thankful for my salvation, and I'm thankful for it today, amen? Really, I'm thankful for it every day. I'm thankful that God would save somebody like me, but I'm also thankful that he would sanctify somebody like me. That he is willing to teach me and to grow me and to help me to become more like him as I live down here. In the eyes of God, spiritually, we are already there. We're perfect in the eyes of God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm thankful that he's willing to work on me down here and allow me to see and to know how much he cares for me because he's willing to work with somebody like me. Let me ask you this morning, are you thankful for your sanctification? Oh, preacher, I am then are you participating in it this morning? Are you allowing God to do the work that he wants to do in your life? Let's all